You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series and syndicating for the A-List Online. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith and the interview subject I have for you this time around is Tobias Samet. He's the frontman, the vocalist, the fella at the centre of two bands, Avantasia and Ed Guy. The reason for the conversation is to promote Avantasia's brand new studio offering for 2019. It's called Moon Glow. Let's have a listen to what Toby has to say. Here we go. I was also calling another journalist because I grabbed the wrong phone and hit repeat. <laughs> and there was another journalist whom I talked to yesterday night, and he said, we have an interview again? Uh, I've known him for a very long time, and that was really funny. I said, uh, well, no, I just grabbed the wrong phone. I wasn't just having a coffee. I actually also fed the birds oh, outside yes. in the garden because it's snowing here. And, uh, yeah, well, it's, it's funny. We, it's- every day one good deed. Every day, one good deed indeed. And it's funny, it doesn't matter which country you're in, there's always birds, right? And we do the same thing here, but we have magpies that go out the front. I don't know whether you've got magpies in Germany, but uh, we've got these massive magpies. Yeah, yeah, magpies, lorikeets, and a lot of birds that you see in like Australian postcards and the like, because I live in Queensland and I live in the cane fields. So we actually get a lot of these birds here and we try to feed as many as we can. So I'm like you, mate, we do like a lot of nature, yeah. But magpies are actually quite nasty to other birds, aren't they? Oh, they, they're very territorial, you know that. So they can swoop on people if they're riding bikes or skateboards or just working, walking along in their territory. But um, I think with other birds, other birds don't even bother going near them because they're generally so much bigger and they're that much more aggressive. But in Australia, we've got a, a real issue in urban environments, in urban environments with Indian minor birds. And uh, they're like sparrows, but they're very small, but they're incredibly territorial and aggressive, much more so than magpies, right? And they're driving out a lot of these beautiful multicoloured species like rosellas and galahs and cockatoos and that sort of thing. So, and they're, they're not pleasant what are, either. What are, these what are these birds called, the, uh, the, 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 the nasty ones? Indian minor. Indian, what is it called, minor, like minor. like a mine worker? Or? Oh, M I N O R. I think it, I think you spell it. So yeah, I, I'm not sure where the name originates or from, but um, I mean, being called Indian miners, I assume they came from India originally over on the bloody boats, probably with the first fleet. Who knows? But <laughs> but they've um, okay. yeah that. And if you go down to Sydney, there's heaps of bats, like fruit bats, and they're a pain because they shit on everything. Um, you can't do anything about them, and I don't know whether they're territorial or not. But in Sydney, they're just there's just so many of them there that parts of the botanic gardens in Sydney City are almost you just can't go in them. Otherwise, you'll get you'll get shed, shit on by these bloody bats. <laughs> well, you know, you should get more Aussies. <laughs> oh, I don't know. These all these in, all these introduced species seem to be a lot more territorial. You know, what do you do? You, you know, I think people try to do things but it's like the old story hearing where i'm from in queensland when they had some something called cane beetle which was eating the cane the the cane stalks uh the sugar cane so what they did is they introduced this toad from south america i think called a cane toad ironically and it's be, it's been a pest for many years now probably 100 years or so now so well you know you know but if you if you want to get rid of bats you should get more Aussie Osborns. <laughs> you know, <that's>, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe. Bad, well, I think I think just put Sharon in the middle of them, mate. They'll all fly away from her. She's ferocious, isn't she? Yeah, 
<laughs> I, I can't judge, but... <laughs> well, just from all reports anyway, and the way that she treats some uh, guitarists. I know J.K. Lee's come out recently and wanted to... Um, I think he wanted to open for Aussie, uh, you know, which is uh, fair enough. He wants to open for Aussie. And I think J.K. Lee's a legend. He's my favourite guitarist from Aussie, actually. Um, but I think they made some lowball offer. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, yeah, wonderful! Yeah, I, I love his. I love the fact that he doesn't finger tap and he actually uses traditional guitar techniques. And I think he's the best songwriter that Ozzy worked with, along with Bob Daisley, of course, the Australian guy. Those two together, mate, were just magnificent. But everybody's so enamoured with the the Randy Rhodes era. What can you do? Well, you know, Randy Rhodes was not bad. I think, um, and he was influential. But my favorite, if it just if it just comes down to playing, Ozzy always had great guitar players. Brad mm. Gillis was great, mm. um, and also uh, also Zach um, uh, Wild, especially what he did, in my opinion, on the on the uh, No Rest for the Wicked album, Agreed. which is an underrated album, I yep, believe. Absolutely. Um, and Gus G is a great guitar player as well. But to me, it was. Jake Ely, he played on my two favorite Aussie records, and his rhythm guitar playing is outstanding. And he's got, it's really funny because he's got a lot in, in, in common with Sasha. And when Eric Singer, when he recorded with Avantasia, yeah, yeah. the Scarecrow album, um, he, he, he had actually made that remark. He's, he said, and I had known that before, but he said, oh, Sasha sounds so much like Jake. It's uh, because Eric and Jake they have this band together. Badlands, Badlands yeah. And uh, and Eric said Sasha he, his lead guitar playing when he wants it when he when he uh, Sasha is very very um, d- diverse, but he in some passages when he plays that good old you know Marshall amplified uh, crunchy sound mm-hmm. and the riffing it sounds like. Um, it sounds a lot like Jakey Lee's playing. I love Jakey Lee. I love, you know, I just listened to Bucket the Moon to the record yesterday. And not Great yesterday, album. the day before yesterday. Mm. Great album. Great guitar playing. Yeah, and I think I think Bob Daisley's songwriting really complemented the way Jake played guitar as well because it was, I wouldn't say it was groove-oriented, but it had to have a very solid groove in order for the songs to work. And to your point, exactly, to have a great groove, you've got to have a great rhythm, and Jake has been unrecognized really he's been looked at as a lead player but to your point you bang on he's a he's an extraordinary rhythm player I've, I've got his solo album a fine pink pink mist have you ever heard that solo album that he released in i think at about 96 or so no no yeah check never. it out yeah if you can get it i think you've got to get it on you know ebay or whatever these days because i think it's long okay. out of print but i really truly enjoy that i'd actually say that it'd be one of my top 10 favorite albums of all time i actually put it in my top ten albums of all time last year, when somebody asked me to do it, so definitely check it out because there's a singer. Thing. There's a singer on that album. There's no singing; it's all instrumental. Jesus Christ! Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. And I was hoping, <laughs> I was to be honest. Gosh, you know, I know I'm talking to one of the greatest vocalists in heavy metal here, but I was actually hoping that when he introduced Red Dragon Cartel, that he'd continue going down that same road because he's very experimental and he likes to work with different pedals, Jake. And different, he, he likes to, I think he, I've never heard him say this outright, but I think he likes to use a different guitar with a different set of effects or pedals with a different amp and cabinet almost all the time. So he never really sort of has the same tone. It's, it's not, it's, it's consistent because of his technique, but he likes different sounds. And it, that album really shows. I have to, I have to 
have to check it out. I know about the band, but I've never really checked out Red Dragon Cartel. But uh, but I'm happy. I'm glad you're not telling me that uh, that you're not making the suggestion to me to make an instrumental album with Avantasia. No, <laughs> <laughs> mate, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. Let me share this with you. My first introduction to you, mate, was back in. I think it was, I'm going to get the year wrong, but I'm going to go for a guess here, 2002 or 2003. We here in Australia barely got any of the European Metal Axe touring. But you guys came down, Ed Guy that is, sorry, Ed Guy came down, and you were being interviewed, yeah, yeah. You were being interviewed by Andrew Hogue, I think it was. You might have already spoken to him in this interview cycle. He's a, he's a good bloke and very good uh, metal guy and probably a premier metal guy actually in Australia really in terms of promoting it and stuff. But he interviewed you and you. it was such an impressive interview because you were so enthusiastic and you gave one of the best answers I've ever heard as to why a musician or why a collective needs to tour. And your response was, I'm talking about heavy metal here, of course, too. Your response was, where there are people, there are heavy metal fans. So even though we don't know who our fans are in Australia, we know we will have fans in Australia. And you were dead on because I think those shows went down very well. Yeah, yeah, but that's, that's you know, <laughs> it really says a lot about our attitude back then as well. But I think I was... I was true. I was right. Yeah. Um, it is. It is. That's the case, and that's the good thing about our our scene. Is really a. It's a little bit like a secret society. Yeah. We've never been really, uh, and we. I speak not on behalf of the band, but on behalf of the of the of the whole musical genre. Um, it's it's a culture that has never been really fashionable, except from maybe from eighty to eighty eight or something. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, it's never been fashionable, and it's never gone away. It's like the mainstream, they don't write about it. They don't, everybody thinks people write about us in, in, in particular here in Germany, and we are a mainstream act here because we get a good, good response and we play arenas and everything. No, no, we don't happen on TV. We don't happen on radio. We, well, a little bit, sometimes very, very, very rarely on TV, but... Mm. Not not in a big way, and it's it's really funny because we're selling out arenas, and it's yeah. and it's uh, that's like this this scene has always been there, and it's always been existing, and it's just it seems like the public they don't want to know about it. Yeah, and it's then you have all these big stars in quotation marks um, that have their hits on radio. I'm not talking about the super, the international superstars, but in Germany we have some of those. Uh, mainstream stars as well and they can't even sell out a club no. but they have a platinum mm. record and then I think you know maybe maybe it's great to be a heavy metal artist <laughs> I, I think it is and I think I think even the people who run whoever owns Spotify Spotify Corporation whatever even they came out with some data that supports what you're saying to the point that heavy metal listeners are the most engaged listeners they're the ones that stay listening for longest and they're, they're the ones with the biggest catalogue I think it was they're the ones that download the most or stream the most um so you bang on so it doesn't matter what the mainstream who cares about what the mainstream media does according to the heavy metal fan because with bands like yourself or both of your bands ed guy and avantasia jk lee we just talked about him ozzy these are these are names that are going to live well beyond the life of the people that are actually in the band in my view so you're going to be a bit like beethoven you know what i'm saying in 80 years time people are going to be discovering ed guy and avantasia's catalog and it's music that is timeless, and the reason why it's timeless is because it doesn't bend toward trends. Yeah, sure, you're updating the sound through use of technology. That's just a smart thing to do because you want to give people great quality music. But it's not music that is beholden 
to what the mainstream media has said. Therefore, people can dive in and out of it whenever they want, and it's always current to them. Yeah, but you know, you know, it's, I don't know if people will listen to us eighty years from now, but um, but you know, but but I've, as I said, you know, it's, you can even see in the short term that some mm. of the music doesn't really age that well, and heavy metal does. I mean, I'm yeah. still I'm still putting on the records that I listened to uh, or that that were big forty years ago. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, if it's something is a super hit, it will become some nostalgia thing for generations to celebrate their youth but i don't think there's a lot you can discover in gangnam style (laughs) (laughs) you know uh, uh, i don't you know if 80 years from now somebody will discover that record they will just wonder what the fuck did they do back then yeah (laughs) well i'll tell you it's it's interesting because one of my favorite albums uh, also is faith no more's angel dust Okay, now that album, I'm pretty sure that turned 25 this year. So that's a quarter of a century old, that album. And I remember not the day that it came out, but when it came out, because I was only 13 or 14 when it came out and getting right into it. But if you told me back then that I'd still be listening to it and still find relevance in it in 25 years time, I don't think I would know what to say. You know, so it's interesting. So time, maybe it's the epoch of the times and because of technology things, we feel like things are speeding up. You know, I just think there's so much wonderful music, and I've given this a lot of thought, which is why I say it. You know, bands like the two bands that you're a part of, and so much of the great European heavy metal. I think I genuinely feel it will live a life well beyond the people that have created it. It's just music that people are going to refer to and and build on, and maybe they'll uh, they'll recreate it in their own way. God knows how it'll happen and how we'll be listening to music in a hundred years' time. But mate, you never know. If any any genre has got a chance, it's heavy metal. There you go. I think heavy metal and rock rock music they have a they have a big chance. Absolutely. Mm. Indeed. Look, hey, we better talk about Moonglow because that's the reason for the chat. Yeah, we 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 have to. We have to because. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but you're already this is already part of the interview, right? You're oh, absolutely. Recording. This has been a great chat. Yeah, I, okay. I actually I'll let you know I host yeah. a podcast series. So if you're cool with it, I have every intention of releasing this as part of my my podcast series. Um, if that's cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All good. So Moonglow, I've had I've had a listen to what I've been able to uh, what John has sent through to me. Okay. So you've got Jeff Tate, Michael Kiske, Jorn Land or Jorn Land, Eric Martin. That was interesting. Mister Big. I haven't heard from him in ages. Miller Miller Petroza, and Candace Knight, who is Richie Blackmore's wife. Now they're just some of the headline artists that you've partnered with. There are many others that you've worked with on this particular album here. But my question for you is, how do you schedule and how do you allocate roles to such an all-star cast? Um, it's, you know, I've taken a lot of time for this album. And, um, and it was a long period over, over which the whole process was spread out. Um, so it, it, it wasn't really a, a big deal in scheduling everything. I mean, it's much worse scheduling a tour, <laughs> you know, yeah. because you have to have them all available at the, at the same yeah, time. Yeah. And that's why the Avantasia tour is just going to last for eight weeks. Um, and that's why everybody asks, why are, you, why are you just playing two shows in Australia? The thing is, we're only playing one show in, in Sweden and only one show in, Mo- in, 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 in Russia mm-hmm. and one show in, in Japan and one in Canada. Yep. It's... Um, you have to really uh, only you only have a time gap of eight weeks when everybody's available because everybody's got their own schedule. And yeah. an album 
it's a different story because after I came back from the Ghost Lights tour, um, I made the decision that I will slow down a little bit. Um, and I think I started working on the album. I started working without knowing that I was working on the album late to 16, I believe. I thought maybe I'm going to do solo record or whatever. I just collected ideas, uh, built yep. an own studio and worked in my own studio. And, yep. and by early 2017, I believe, more or less, um, it turned out, okay, this is going to be an Avantasia record. And I didn't have a deadline. I didn't have a record contract. I didn't have anything. Just the desire to live my dream and record my music the way I wanted to be recorded and the way I wanted to sound. And, and then I contacted people, you know, in 2018, we did most of the, of the guest vocals. Um, and of course it was, I think with Jeff, we recorded in April, um, with Jorn, I think it was in, in July, um, Candice and Ronnie did their parts in September. So you find a time gap and, um, and it's not that difficult. And role wise, it happens subconsciously. I mean, this new album is not, uh, I, I would say it's not a rock opera, even though it would, it's a great term to sell an album. To mm. say it's rock opera. It's a great, a very strong term yeah. and it gives you some connotations and some ideas about the content that is, Correct, in a way, but it is not a, a, a story from start to finish. They all have their individual um, characters, so to speak. Yep. Um, and so everybody is portraying a certain, a certain um, personality or aspect of a personality in each song. Uh, and that happens subconsciously. It happens, you know, I don't know, I don't really think about it. You, st you start to work on a song and you know which passage has which key message and which standpoint and who should be the right singer to sing it. Sometimes you have to think a little, sometimes you know even before you start writing the song. For example, when I wrote Le Lavender, I knew it was going to be sung by Bob Catley because when I wrote the song, I had Bob Catley was in my mind and I, I knew it was him and I knew it was him speaking to my alter ego uh, the main character in the concept yep. and mm -hmm. um, and things like that they happen subconsciously there's a lot of things about the working process that are hard to describe because they just happen and you don't know why but they just fall in place automatically um, and it's hard to analyze it yeah I bet I bet there's one name you mentioned in there too and I, I must be one of the only people that's had a long-form conversation with him but that's Ronnie Romero I didn't realize Ronnie was actually on the album as well. No, Ronnie is not on the album. Oh, I thought you said, I thought you said Ro Ronnie Atkins. Ronnie, Ronnie Atkins. Atkins. Ronnie Romero is a nice guy. Uh, I, met, I met him a couple of times in Spain. Yes. Uh, he's a great singer. Um, and uh, Candice Knight is on the record. Yeah. She is close to Ronnie Romero because Ronnie Romero is the singer of Rainbow and Candice is the, the wife of... Richard Blackmore, so yeah, that's, <laughs> the closest it gets. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> fair enough. Because when, <laughs> when you mentioned, Can I think when I, um, I think you mentioned Candice before, I think you put Ronnie straight away afterwards. I thought, God, I didn't realise it because I think he's doing a tremendous job in, in Rainbow. I think a lot of the, you know, the trolls are on the YouTube and Facebook forums disagreeing, but uh, mate, I think he's doing a tremendous job. So I thought you might have, uh, you might have had the introduction through Candice and Richie, Richie, and that's another one, mate. Imagine no, no, you... <laughs> no, I've, uh, I've met him. I've met him somewhere in, in Spain, and, and 
you know, Ronnie Romero is one of the best singers out there. He's an amazing vocalist, mm. and he does a very, very great job, and he does the uh, rainbow material. I love Jolyn Turner, but um, he, he does the material justice. And, of course, mm. whenever somebody puts up a microphone and sings into it, there will be people on the Internet who will disagree. <laughs> That's right. Whatever you do, people will disagree, you know? We just had we just had this affair here in in Germany where a, a German football player of my favorite team he was eating a steak in a steakhouse and it yeah. was it had a golden layer on it and it was it was a huge scandal it was um, um, it, people said oh that's that's uh, decadent and um, of course it is people complained about having a golden layer a, a, a real gold yeah. golden layer on the steak and. And you know, and then of course, of course, you know, I was waiting, I was waiting for the for the animal activists to complain about oh, yeah, the golden cool. steak not being solid gold, you know, <laughs> <laughs> complaining about the, the the meat inside. You know, it's really everybody complains about everything. And Ronnie yeah. Romero is a great, amazing vocalist, and Richie Blackmore chose him, and he might have had the right reasons to do so. So, mission accomplished. Richie Blackmore, you asked about, you know, I. We have we don't have so many lead guitars actually on the album, and I didn't it didn't even enter my mind to ask Richie because mm. it's really funny because more people ask about oh you have Candice why didn't you ask Richie well because I was looking for a vocalist and not a guitar player yeah, that's yeah. the easiest answer Richie Blackmore's <laughs> an amazing very very influential songwriter and guitarist and you know don't get me wrong I love Richie Blackmore's work but it was simply not I have a great guitar player in Avantasia. yeah. And if things happen in the future, you know, I don't, I don't know. But I, I, that was not the reason. I, I never, I never approached him actually, mm. um, because it was not needed. Yeah, understood. Hey, look, I better do a time check. We hit about twenty minutes now. We, yeah, you... we, we really, I really have to, I really have to go now. That's because <laughs> I'm already six it's minutes a shame. late for the next one. Yeah, it's a shame. I've got heaps more questions I can ask you. But look, I'll, I'll try and see if I can tee something up with John for a bit later, mate. When you're closer to the Australian tour. Yeah, yeah. Do that. That's yeah. Uh, you know in in March or something. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure there'll be a round of promotion for that one there, mate. But uh, look, good luck with everything. You know, congratulations on an outstanding career. It must be said too. And uh, mate, I've got kids these days, so it's very hard for me to get out and be in the audience and watch wonderful bands like yourself, mate. But uh, if I'm going to watch any of them, it'll be Avantasia, that's for sure. Thank you very much. Thank you. No worries. And um, well. And see you in Australia, actually. <laughs> Absolutely. And talk to you before. For sure, mate. No worries at okay. all. Okay. All the best. No worries. Thanks. Gotcha. Thank you. Bye bye. You have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series and syndicating for the A List Online. My name's Andrew Mackay Smith, and that conversation featured Toby Samet from the Outfits, Avantasia, and Ed Guy. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>